Well, welcome to Downtown Harbor Church, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator here. In case you're wondering, I have not taken up smoking Marlboro Reds. Um, I do, though, however, have a upper respiratory infection, and so um, just remain patient with my voice this morning, if you would. I have my water on standby, just in case I made it through the first service. Okay, we'll see how the second... This, see? Well... <clears throat> We'll see how the second service goes. One of the things that I just want to stop and just tell you about before we begin is something that's kind of been big that happened here at Downtown Harbor Church. So we've been meeting for about two and a half years here at Downtown Harbor Church. And for the last two and a half years, we've actually, our staff has had a trailer pull up every single morning at about 6.30 a.m. on a Sunday. And then our team of volunteers and staff will unload that trailer into the museum. And our executive director, John, will load that thing at the end of the service alongside of many of our staff and volunteers and then go and drop it off at a storage facility. Well. As of last week, the Museum of Discovery and Science actually allowed Downtown Harbor Church to have storage here on site. So we have made, hopefully, prayerfully, our last trailer run as a local church. So, I mean, you guys just, as a church plant, that's a big deal. Excuse me while I get the water. Okay? So we are really excited about that, and sometimes we just like to kind of clue you guys into what's going on around here and some of the cool things that happen. So that's a really big deal for our team. Hey! We are on week three of this idea, series, topic, discussion, whatever you want to call it, called The Big Story. And those Bibles that you'll see on your chairs, which we believe is the, from start to finish, the, it encompasses the entire big story, right, that God is writing and has written through a people, right? Those are for you to take, especially if you don't have one or maybe want a new one, whatever that looks like, those are there for you. But we've been asking the question uh, related to this big story, how does this all tie together? From start to finish, how does this all work together? We've heard a lot about the life of Jesus around here at Downtown Harbor Church. And just so you know, the life of Jesus, who we talk about so often, kind of picks up right here in the middle, like over halfway through this big story. But the question we've been asking is, how does this all fit together? Furthermore, we've been asking this question, who are all of these people? We've heard the names, right? Jacob, Joseph, Abraham, Moses, how do they all fit together from start to finish? Well, in week one, we took a look at the very first week in the big story, and we took a look at this idea of creation, and that God created the world and everything in it in this magnificent paradise, and the first two human beings to ever walk, right, were named Adam and Eve, and then their descendants had descendants, and God had a plan for a man by the name of Abraham, and Abraham was like the father of the Jewish faith, where God said to this man, Abraham, hey, Abraham, you and your descendants, you will be blessed, and then sometime later, Abraham had a descendant who was named Jacob. And Jacob, right, had many sons, one who we talked about last week. And you may remember this message, and if you don't remember it, you should definitely catch up at our website, soflochurch.com, because it's powerful. And we use this object to represent this person because he possessed, based on what his father had given him, a gift his father had given him, a coat of many colors. And his name was Joseph. 
Some of you have probably seen his musical, the Broadway musical. It's one of my favorites of all time. Catchy, excuse me, catchy soundtrack too. So I loved last week's message and I love how it kind of helped people get perspective just about where they were at in life. Now, in this big story, even though we're going to jump ahead just a little bit in the scripture, historians and scholars actually say there's about 300 years between the life of Joseph and the life of the person that I'm going to talk about today. And as I said the last couple of weeks, you might be going, what in the world is that man hand, er, holding in his hands, right? Why does he have a lawn ornament in the shape of a frog? I will tell you, uh, but just not yet, right? Because Joseph, one of Joseph's long after the life of Joseph, his descendants was named Moses. And that's who we're going to talk about today. Because God used the life of Moses in a miraculous way to do something that not only was so important to the history of the Jewish faith, but it was important to the history of humanity. Not only did what Moses do affect everything from the moment that God told him to do it, right? But it affected the history of this big story as well, which is why he's one of our weeks in this big story. Now, even if it's your first time ever in a local church today and you've never been a part of a local church, specifically one in a museum, you're like, this is pretty cool, right? You've probably at some level, even if you've never been to a local church, seen a picture of Moses before, okay? There is. And apparently, I don't know, he was wearing an Apple watch at some point, so I thought that was an exciting thing. But in fact, the funniest thing about this, this picture is I just picked this picture offline to give people perspective of what Moses might have looked like or what historians say that he looked like. And I did not notice the Apple Watch. And so during the first service, people were laughing in the crowd. And I was like, what is everybody laughing about? And sure enough, there's Moses. He's got an Apple Watch on, which is great, okay? But during this time, and by the way, let me give you a sidebar here. During this time, I am going to skip and kind of abbreviate a lot of the details in this story. We do not have the time to completely dive in to this entire life of Moses. So if there are details left out or details that I want you to catch up on and make sure to pay attention to those practicals at the end so you can figure stuff out this week or as you go into one of our big story groups. So after Joseph had died and his brothers had died, it was a dark time for the Israelites. Now remember, okay, remember, Joseph, who had been betrayed by his family and sold into slavery and then falsely accused, ended up second in command in Egypt. This is all part of the big story, right? Joseph, who did that, was second in command in Egypt. And then he opted to forgive his brothers, forgive his family, and allow them to come and dwell in Egypt. But over the course of time, something happened. And a lot of times, those of us who study the scripture, we know this, but we kind of forget about how it happened. So here's what I want you to know happened, then let's look at how it happened, right? They had been enslaved. It was a dark time for the Israelites because they were placed into slavery in Egypt. So I started to ask myself the question, why? I've known this fact. I understand this. This is one of the most famous stories in the entire Bible. Why, though, were they slaves? Well, 
you want to take your Bible, you can open it to, Gen- I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 1, which is the second book um, in the scripture. If you don't want to do that and you prefer to just look at the screens or look on any mobile device, that's appropriate as well, whatever you want to do, okay? But Exodus chapter 1, and we are going to kind of bounce around a little bit, so make sure that you're trying to checking out the screens as well if you want to stay with us. Exodus chapter 1, verse 6, verses 8 through 8. In time, Joseph and all of his brothers died, ending that entire generation. Don't miss this. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, this is it. This is so key. They multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. They multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. And why had we expected them not to, right? Why would we? They were the blessed descendants of Abraham. But if you're in Egypt and all these folks are coming into your country and all of a sudden there's more of them than there are of you and they're powerful and they're going to fill the entire land, what do you think an insecure leader would feel at that moment? Because the leader and ruler of Egypt during that time was named pharaoh and sure enough he didn't like it he didn't like it one bit so in exodus chapter 1 verses 11 it says that the egyptians made the israelites their slaves and here's what we need to understand slavery even in our own country has a wicked evil history it is the worst of conditions of oppression and someone owning you it's awful and the egyptians made the israelites their slaves and sure enough even though we're not going to go into this whole story about his birth and adoption and what that looked like there was a guy who was born who god was about to use to change what happened to the israelites and his name was moses and moses was born from the lineage of joseph and sure enough there were some events that went down in egypt that led to moses being don't miss this this is so key moses being adopted so moses was an israelite who was adopted, and he was adopted by a princess, the Egyptian princess. So he actually got to dwell in the palace. Moses, this descendant of Joseph, who was adopted. And by the way, gang, there's a whole lot more details to that story than I just said. So don't miss that, right? There was something about Moses that was so special. Deep down, Moses knew his lineage. And not only did Moses know his lineage, that he was an Israeli person, he was a Jewish person, a descendant of Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, all those years later, but Moses was passionate about his people. So sure enough, years later after he was adopted, something was happening, and there was an Egyptian soldier who was abusing a Jewish slave. There was an Egyptian soldier who was being abusive and beating this slave, this Jewish slave. And Moses said, I can't take it anymore. He was passionate about his people, and he lost it. And sure enough, he went and killed that Egyptian soldier who was abusing that Jewish slave. Well, 
much like human nature. And we would probably act if we committed a crime. You want to know what Moses did at that point? Moses didn't hand himself over to the Egyptian authorities and say, hey, you can just have me. No, Moses fled. He got out of there, right? He goes, I, 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 I just did this awful thing. I know what's going to happen if they catch me. So Moses fled. And sure enough, sometime later, the scripture talks about Moses just being alone by himself. And all of a sudden, there was this bush that caught on fire. And there was this bush that not only caught on fire, but the scripture tells us that when Moses had fled and was alone, there was this bush that caught on fire, and the fire did not ever die down or go out. And it talks about what happened when that bush started to burn. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 3, and it says this, This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. And a miracle was about to happen because God was about to speak to Moses through that bush that was on fire. And in Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 10, it says this. It says, I, this is God talking now. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. And he said to Moses, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. You know why I believe God did this? Not only because all of those years ago, he promised to bless those descendants of Abraham. But I believe that God did this because I believe that God is a God who cannot stand injustice. I believe that God is a God who cannot stand to see people oppressed. He cannot stand to see people suffer or oppressed. And therefore, he saw not only people, but his people, the people that he promised to bless, who were in the most awful conditions, who were in conditions that no human being should ever have to live in. So God said, Moses, I'm going to go and use you to do something about it. One of the things that you don't know about Moses is that Moses was not a very confident person. Moses, in fact, did not want this job at all. In fact, the scripture kind of details Moses going back and forth, back and forth, going, God, not me. Pick somebody else to do this. And God says, no, it's you. Sure enough, God agrees to allow Moses' brother Aaron to go with him, to go to Pharaoh and to say those famous, famous words, let my people go. But before they did that, it says in Exodus chapter 4, verses 29 through 31, it says this, it says, then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called all the elders of Israel together, letting them know what God was going to do calling the elders together, going, this is what God's going to do as he works because his people are enslaved. And sure enough, in Exodus chapter 5, verse 1, it goes on and it says, afterward, Moses and Aaron went to the Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, those famous words, let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. So if you're Pharaoh, 
and you have your quote-unquote most prized possessions who do work for you and make your country function, why would you listen to these two guys? In fact, you can probably relate to that. If someone came up to you and said, let this go, you'd say, why would I listen to you? Who do you think you are? So sure enough, Pharaoh did not agree to this. Even though God was there and continued to invest in Moses and to tell him what to do, Pharaoh would not agree to this. And the other thing that Pharaoh would do based on this request is he would make the work for the Israelite slaves even harder. He would make the work for the Israelite slaves even harder, putting them through worse conditions than they were before, all because God knew that he had to do something. The Pharaoh didn't like it one bit. Because here's one of the things that I believe in life, is that when you follow after God, you put one foot in front of the other and follow after him and start to get things right, to do the right thing rooted in the love of who Jesus actually is, the grace of who Jesus actually is. I truly believe this. When you begin to do the right thing as Moses was going to do and doing, the world doesn't like it. The world doesn't like it. Just try over and over again, we've seen it happen in our own personal lives. When you try to do the right thing, mm -mm, the world just doesn't like it. In fact, in the New Testament in the Bible, long after these events, right, it talks about this in the book of James. Real quick, just a side note. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Because if I were Moses, I would be going... God, you just spoke to me in a burning bush. I just saw you on fire in a burning bush. I heard your voice, and now you sent me over here, and this guy's telling me no? What, 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 I don't, you know, line these things up for me here. And sure enough, Moses and Aaron went back over and over and over again and said, don't, don't mess with him. Let these people go. Let these people go. And Pharaoh still did not agree. And we come to this point where God is who he is. And God is a massive, powerful God. And God is a God who does not believe in injustice, and he will prove it. God is a God who does not believe in injustice. And the scripture, specifically in the Old Testament, outlines it about what happens to the Egyptians when they don't listen over and over again. Pharaoh doesn't listen over and over again to Moses and his brother Aaron. Now, you might be wondering why this random guy in a museum has been holding a frog for a couple of weeks. Okay, I'm about to tell you why. Because in Exodus chapter 7, verses 17 through 18, it talks about what happens next. It says, this is what the Lord says. By this you will know that I am the Lord. With the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile, and it will be changed into blood. The fish in the Nile will die, and the river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink its water. Pharaoh, you want to go? Let's go. And then God sent plagues to Egypt after Pharaoh consistently said no time and time again. The first plague was the plague of frogs. I thought it was a pretty creative prop. I don't know about you. That was just me. 
I mean, I was really excited about this when I passed it in Home Goods. I was like, that's my Moses prop, right? There it is, okay? That's it. That represents what we're talking about today. Imagine the frogs everywhere, kind of like iguanas in South Florida that are all over the streets and all in your gutters that you're up there with a broomstick, you know, trying to get out time and time again. You know what I'm talking about. Not only the plague of frogs, but the plague of gnats, right? And flies was the third one. And then the plague of livestock where things just died. And then the plague of boils. And then hail. And then the plague of locusts. And the plague of darkness. Want to know what Pharaoh said each time after a plague hit? And Moses said, let my people go. Nope. Not doing it. So then, because God is a God who cannot stand injustice. One of the most violent and graphic things in the entire scripture, and if you asked me in a corner of this room to explain it, I'm not even sure that I could. But it was the plague of the firstborn. Meaning the firstborn of every family in Israel. I'm sorry, in Egypt. Would die when the spirit of God swooped over their land one night. And the scripture tells us that there was wailing in Egypt when this happened. Unlike anything that anyone in their country had ever, ever heard. And finally... In that moment, Moses let my people go. And finally, Pharaoh gave in. Finally, after all of the things that Moses had to go through, all of those times going back, being an unconfident person who did not even want this job in the first place, Moses stepped through all of this because God chose him to do that. And finally, Pharaoh agreed to let the Israelite slaves go. Then the exodus happened. Let me just take a side note to talk to you about the exodus, okay? Because the second book of the Bible is named Exodus, and it outlines the events that I'm talking about. And if you ever want more detail from something we've done here at Downtown Harbor Church, about a year and a half ago, we did a three-week series called Exodus, where we took a look at the life of Moses in more detail than we're doing today. So if you ever want to catch up, you can do that on our website at soflochurch.com and kind of go back. But the exodus happened. But just like many insecure rulers, Pharaoh didn't let them go so easily. After he had made his decision... He decided that, well, that was the wrong one. Let's pursue him again. So the Egyptian army went out after the Israelites. And sure enough, because God is a God who cannot stand injustice, there was this event that happened that many of you have probably seen or at least are familiar with where God used Moses to part the Red Sea while holding his staff. And the Israelites crossed the Red Sea as they began their journey into their promised land, promised to be the blessed descendants of Abraham. And the Egyptian army pursued them through this path. And then as soon as Moses lowered his staff, the water collapsed around the Egyptian army. And God had his way and his people were set the Israelites were free and set to return to their 
promised land. Remember, the only reason they were in Egypt was because hundreds of years earlier, famine had hit their land, and Joseph allowed his brothers and their families to stay. This was the beginning of their journey home. However, as always, the next events were not without drama, right? The next events were not without things happening, you know, as they probably should not have because the Israelites were grumbling. They were upset. They were mad. You know why? Because they were wandering through the desert with Moses, some random dude. Who is this guy, right? And sure enough, they're going, we're hungry, we're thirsty. They even had the gall to say we had it better in Egypt. If I were Moses, I'd have a look on my face like this frog. Going, what are you talking oh, and, and, and I, I mean, I'd throw this frog if I, Moses did throw in a couple things too. But anyway, right? There were events like this that Moses was just like, I, 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 God, I've done all this. I've, I've served you. I've honored you. I, look, at the, I'm leading these people. What is going on? And then sure enough, the next events detail a lot about Moses' life that some of you may be familiar with, some of you may be hearing for the first time. But as they continued their journey to their promised land, they ended up right at the foot of a mountain where major events happened. That mountain was called Mount Sinai. Here's actually a picture of it, which I think is so key to understanding the land that they were going through during their time, right? As they wandered through the desert. And as Moses went up to the top of this mountain, this is where God gives him the Ten Commandments. On this mountain is where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And just so you get perspective, like it's in Exodus chapter 20 that this starts, right? I want to give you perspective as to where this is in the entire big story. Right here, so, so early on, and we've covered so much in a couple of weeks. This is how big this massive story is. And so many of you have heard those other, or some of those Ten Commandments. I just wanted to review, you know, those Ten Commandments with you a little bit. So Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, this is such a key one, right? You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now, I've said this from this stage before, but I'd like to reiterate it. If you are angry or upset and feel the necessity to use an expletive, there are a lot of other ones to use rather than taking the Lord's name in vain. There's the S, there's the SH, there's the D, there's the F. Don't use the okay? But what I'm saying is you know, avoid at all costs the G, the GD, the JC. It's just a big deal, okay? That's all I'm saying. There's a lot of other ones out there. That's a joke, okay? I'm just putting that out there. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Exodus 20, 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Exodus 20, 13 is a big one, right? You shall not murder. I, I would stay away from that. That just seems like something you want to steer clear of. Exodus 47. Do not dress like Adam Duckworth used to, Okay. You do not know what that means. You should check out my personal Facebook and scroll through some old pictures because it used to be brutal, friends. And we're just being blunt. Anyway, um, this wandering through the desert with events peppered throughout, this wandering went on 
for 40 years. So I started to ask myself a question. God, and as I prepped these messages, just so you guys know, there's a lot of soul searching and a lot of prayer and a lot of thought and reflection that is done on behalf of our team. We started to ask ourselves, why would God let them wander for so long? They've been through so much. And what I'm about to put up next is just my opinion, but I just believe it to be true. This wandering went on for 40 years. Do you know why? Because they had a lot of learning to do. They had a lot of learning to do. And sometimes, don't miss this, sometimes it takes us a long time to get it right. Sometimes it just takes us a long time to get it right, every one of us. Because here's the truth, guys. Here, and the Israelites had their struggles individually and collectively as a nation. The truth is, the fact of the matter is, is that every single one of us has our own struggles. Every single one of us has different struggles than somebody else. And sometimes to get it right, it's just going to take a long time. So, but let's go back for a second. Because if that was 40 years and we've outlined the events in a very brief way of Moses going to Pharaoh and leading the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, I started to ask myself a question. Because Moses is one of the most famous people in the entire Bible. In fact, if you understand about the Old Testament, you understand that Moses wrote the beginning of it. And you start to ask yourself then, what happened to that guy? What happened to Moses? What happened to him who was chosen to go before a ruler, who he was very unconfident in his abilities to go before that ruler? What happened to him? Well, as the scripture outlines in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 34, what happens to Moses? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy is the fifth book in the Old Testament, if you want to follow along. But it talks about what happened to Moses, and here's what it says. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo, the years later, don't miss this, from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah, across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, who we talked about week one, Isaac and Jacob, when I said, I will give it to your descendants. Then he says this to Moses, I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. What? Why? I, I, I've served you for so long, God. I've, I, I've listened to these groveling, grumbling people for all these years. What? I went back to Pharaoh over and over again and saw awful things happen. What? You mean that I'm not going there, the promised land that you promised your descendants? I'm a descendant. What? That would be my reaction. I would have gone, what, what about what's coming to me? I've waited for so long and I see the end of that tunnel. I see the light at the end of it. We're almost there. What? Moses didn't even make it. A 
Again, my face would be like the frog, okay? What I'm saying is, is that Moses didn't even make it into the promised land where his people were about to be delivered. And if I were him, I would have gone, that's not fair. That's not the way that it should have gone for me. Not somebody who even in my unconfidence or lack of my ability still trusted in you, God. Moses didn't even make it. You want to know one of the things that I think that us who are sitting in this room here today at Downtown Harbor Church and anybody who might be listening online can learn from the life of Moses and learn from this story, and it's something that we forget. It's something that we don't think of often because we're just people, and human nature tells us that we need to look there, and if we don't make it there, that we haven't actually achieved everything that we need to. Here's one of the things that I think we can glean from this life, and it's something I want everybody to zone in on and not miss because this is the most cliche, bogus thing you'll ever hear, but it's one million percent the truth. It's the journey, not the destination. And oh boy, when we realize that, everything's different. And oh boy, when we realize that, every relationship we have is different. When we realize that, the interactions we have with those we love are different. When we realize that, we're not quick to anger. We're quick to make peace. We're quick to show love. We're quick to show grace. Because we realize what's coming to us, what is quote-unquote promised to us, may never come. And just because it never comes, it doesn't mean that God wasn't with us along the way. But so often, uh, us human beings just look out there and we go, I want my promised land. I know that that's what I deserve. And when I don't get it, all hope is lost. As I wrote this message and as I thought about this, I started to think about the moments that we have with each other as a local church each week. A lot of those moments are spent with each other trying to resolve problems or talk about things or maybe dream for the future. And one of the things that I just centered on and landed in was the idea that every single one of us needs to stop and realize that God is right by our side regardless of where we make it to. Every single moment of every single day if we've let him into our life. So, what's the practical? At Downtown Harbor Church, each week we put up this word so that we can understand what to take from this and to put it into practice in our lives. And by the way, guys, if you haven't been to one of our DHC Big Story groups, there's not one this Tuesday. There's one uh, the following Tuesday on the 6th of February. But this was just so cool because people were like, hey, uh, we've been doing the practicals and it was a really good thing. I would encourage you to just do this. And so... If you're a note taker on your phone or whatever, now's the time. You want to take a picture of the screen. These are the practicals as we lead into next week and to the group on the 6th. It's just been a great time to do this. Number one, read Exodus chapter 3. It's not a lot. The quote-unquote reading that we assign, guys, not a lot. The articles you read on the internet are much longer than this, okay? Read Exodus chapter 3, first and foremost. Number two. Read Exodus chapter 12, 
verses 31 through 42. Then, that's Exodus 12, 31 through 42. Then, read Exodus 20. Read Exodus chapter 20. And then, a little homework, a little extra credit. Ooh, what do you get for extra credit? Nothing, which is exciting, okay? Here's the extra credit. Discover why Moses didn't make it. Why didn't he make it? Why after all that? Didn't he make it? You can find the answer in the book of Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, fourth book. Chapter 20, verses 1 through 13. It's so fascinating to figure that out. It's so fascinating as you dive in more yourself because this amazing book, the Bible, the big story, the collection of all these little stories, and little lives that actually meant such a big deal can change you from the inside out. So what do we learn from our friend Moses today? Here's our bottom line, and I don't want you to miss this because this is so transformative and so key. Just because you didn't see the end of your journey doesn't mean God did not use you in a powerful way. Moses didn't see the end, at least according to him. But it sure did not mean that God did not use him in a powerful way. Don't focus on the future too much. Don't focus on the destination too much. Focus on the journey, realizing that God has promised to be by your side the entire time. And when you understand that, moments matter more. When you understand that, people matter more. When you understand that, your life matters more. Even if you don't make it to where you think that you should be. And as we just unpack that, it's just different for each of us. And it's powerful for each of us. Allow God to work through your life when you get it. Allow God to work through your life as you understand it. Allow God to work through your life so that you don't see every moment which might seem very low as your end. He's been by your side through every single one of them and will continue to be by your side. Just like he did in the life of that man who was unconfident who Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston sang about, right? You know what I mean. If you've seen the Prince of Egypt, as he went before a ruler and said, let my people go. Let me pray. Father, thank you for who you are and what you do in our lives, God. Thank you for the life of Moses. I pray, God, that you would help us to learn from him, help us to understand his life, help us to do what we need to do to allow you to work in our life just as you did in his life. And God, whatever our destination is, whatever our final destination we think should be, help us to understand that you're by our side no matter what, even if we don't make it to where we think we should be. That's unique and different for each one of us. But I pray, God, that you would surround us with your grace and your peace through the blood of Jesus as we seek after you. To understand that, we pray. And we pray it all today in Jesus' name.